This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to Radio Parallax. As we said on last week's show, this is going to be our back-to-school program. In fact, today, September 25th, marks the return of classes here at UC Davis. KDVS is, of course, the official radio station of the University of California at Davis. It is also a community radio station. But we're going to try and weave a university theme into today's show. In our second segment today, we're going to go out to the university airport. Did you know that the University of California at Davis is the only UC campus that has its own airport? Yes, it's located just west of the campus, and we're going to go out and speak with Mr. Charles Lowe, who's the chief pilot out at the Cal Aggie Flying Farmers. I think that's going to be a very interesting segment, so stay tuned for that. But in this segment, we ought to have a little bit of fun. We'd like to basically take some of the emails we've received, blend them together with some of the um, short and sweet, I guess you'd say, type news items, and have a little fun. We are, however, going to have to do a bit of current events. The California recall election is back on again. Mr. McMillan, would you please cue up some appropriate music? Yes, apparently a full panel of the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals on Tuesday decided to reinstate the vote's original timetable, and it's going to go forward on October 7th. It's curious that the ACLU was so certain that the U.S. Supreme Court would not step in, they're not even going to attempt to appeal it. Well, I, I think they're right. It would have gone nowhere. But anyway, the five big candidates that are left went at it last night. And I don't know about you, but I, I heard this on the radio. I'm not sure how this came across on television. Uh, of course, television is the most important thing to campaigns these days. I wasn't terribly impressed by anybody. I kind of want to be for Ariana Huffington, but I'm afraid she's not winning me over like she needs to. Or she needs to, not just me, but all the rest of you as well. At least that's my impression. Uh, Dan Walters in the Sacramento Bee uh, summarized the debate at Sacramento State University saying that the truth is none of the five hurt him or herself in Wednesday night's debate, uh, which was conducted under a new format that eschewed the traditional panel of reporters. Now, that's kind of a bad sign, getting rid of reporters in a debate. I did like the fact that we actually conducted a debate with an independent and a Green Party member. A couple of the Republicans, a Democrat, a Green, and an independent. You know, debates should always have diverse views like that. This stands in stark contrast to election 2000 when Ralph Nader was excluded from the party and uh, Bush and Gore, at the behest of both their party organizations, decided to uh, basically exclude most of these salient points from the debate. What they talk about, like foreign issues, like once in all of the Bush versus Gore debates, um, they did a better job at Sac State University last night in, uh, in covering a wider range of topics. And again, that's, uh, that's to be encouraged. And uh, Mr. Walters' conclusion, which I think is probably um, um, one that will be shared by a lot of other reporters, is that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't hurt himself, and that keeps him right up there neck and neck with Cruz Bustamante. Next week's show is our final pre-election program. We're going to devote uh, probably a whole segment to discussing this, uh, this great circus of California politics. 
Daryl Issa, the man who started this whole circus rolling this summer with his uh, self-funded effort to um, recall Governor Davis, had some things to say. And in fact, uh, to augment those remarks, we have him now on the line. Congressman Issa, are you there? You said that if Tom McClintock and Arnold Schwarzenegger can't work out their differences, you're going to suggest that people vote no on the recall? So I take it then, sir, that you're having some perhaps regrets about the entire recall process? Congressman Darrell Issa, thank you so much for speaking to us here at Radio Parallax. All right, let's do some email. One was sent to us by Lisa. A lot of people are involved in dating over the internet, and this was a a decoding, as it were, of women's personal ads representing the actual meanings behind the statements in their advertising. So let's decode those for you. When you see average looking, it means below average looking. When you see beautiful, it means pathological liar. Educated means college dropout. Emotionally secure means medicated. Feminist means ball buster. (laughs) 40-ish really means 48. Athletic really means flat-chested. Friendship first really means trying to live down reputation. Fun really means loud. Free spirit means drug user. (laughs) Outgoing means loud. Passionate means loud. Romantic means looks better by candlelight. Once soulmate really means one step away from stalking. And Rubenesque means fat, fat, fat. Now, a friend of mine, Debbie, called on the phone when I just got those over the email, and she voiced an objection and said, what about the men? You think you guys are any better when we try and read your ads? So she produced for me uh, some of the phrases you appear in men's personal ads on the web and how you might decode some of those. According to Debbie, successful means workaholic. Is funny means laughs at his own jokes. Love is the great outdoors might translate as doesn't bathe much. Loves art means likes free events with food. Is muscular really means stocky and pudgy. Is financially secure, probably translates as penny pincher. Likes relaxing at home, equates to couch potato. Is athletic, is generally watches a lot of sports. And likes to cuddle, is impotent. Some things to ponder sent in by Sharon. All right. Things to ponder. How important does a person have to be before they're considered assassinated instead of just murdered? I don't know. Here's one. What did cured ham actually have? How is it that we put a man on the moon before we figured out it would be a good idea to put wheels on luggage? Good question. Why is it people say they slept like a baby? When babies wake up every two hours? 
Why is it that you're in a movie, but on TV? Why do people pay to go up tall buildings and then put money in binoculars to look at things on the ground? <laughs> How come we choose from just two people for president and 50 for Miss America? Good point to ponder. My favorite, why do doctors leave the room when you change when they're going to see you naked anyway? All right. Story out of Texas, uh, sent in by Ron. Apparently, a scientist from Texas A&M University invented a bra that keeps women's breasts from jiggling and prevents the nipples from pushing through the fabric when cold weather sets in. At a news conference announcing the invention, the scientist was taken outside by a large group of students and had the crap beaten out of him. More things to ponder, sent in by Beth. All right, if Jimmy cracks corn and no one cares, why is there a song about him? What was the best thing before sliced bread? What is the opposite of opposite? If you try to fail and succeed, what did you just do? Why is it that fat chance and slim chance mean the same thing? And my favorite imponderable, why does Donald Duck wear a towel when he comes out of the shower when he usually doesn't wear any pants at all? And speaking of computers, as we just were, this one was sent in to us by Jim, apparently an exchange of letters that took place in the computer industry. Dear Tech Support, the letter went, last year I upgraded from Boyfriend 5.0 to Husband 1.0 and noticed a slowdown in the overall performance, particularly in the flower and jewelry applications that had operated flawlessly under Boyfriend 5.0. In addition, Husband 1.0 uninstalled many other valuable programs. Now, Conversation 8.0 no longer runs, and House Cleaning 2.6 simply crashes the system. What can I do? To which the reply came, Dear Desperate, first, keep in mind, Boyfriend 5.0 is an entertainment package, while Husband 1.0 is an operating system. Try to enter the command C colon backslash I thought you loved me and download Tears 6.2 to install Guilt 3.0. If all works as designed, Husband 1.0 should then automatically run the applications Jewelry 2.1 and Flowers 3.5. But remember, overuse can cause Husband 1.0 to default to Grumpy Silence 2.5. Second paragraph, Husband 1.0 is a great program, but does have limited memory and cannot learn new applications quickly you might consider buying additional software to improve memory and performance. Good luck, tech support. We like to do current events on this program, but before we do, let's do a little brief musical interlude to celebrate um, uh, the chemistry and physics department. I stumbled upon a song by Tom Lear that I'd probably not heard in many a decade and uh, would like to cue it up in celebration of that key to so much in chemistry and physics the periodic table of the elements. Leave it to Tom Lear to write a song about it. There's antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, americium, ruthenium, uranium, europium, zirconium, lutetium, vanadium, and lanthanum, and osmium, and astatine, and radium, and gold, protactinium, and indium, and gallium and iodine, and thorium, and thulium, and thallium. There's yttrium, ytterbium, actinium, rubidium, and gadolinium, niobium, iridium, and strontium, and silicon, and silver, and samarium, and bismuth, chromium, lithium, beryllium, and barium. Isn't that interesting? 
I knew you would. I hope you're all taking notes because there's gonna be a short quiz next period. There's holmium and helium and hafnium and erbium and phosphorus and francium and fluorine and terbium and manganese and mercury and aluminum and magnesium and dysprosium and scandium and cerium and cesium and lead, praseodymium and platinum and plutonium, palladium, promethium, potassium, polonium and tantalum, tenesium, titanium, tellurium and cadmium and calcium and chromium and curium. There's sulfur, californium, and fermium, berkelium, and also mendelevium, einsteinium, nobelium, and arc, and kryptonium, radon, xenon, zinc, and rhodium, and chlorine, carbon, cobalt, copper, tungsten, tin, and sodium. These are the only ones of which the news has come to Harvard. And there may be many others, but they haven't been discovered. Now, uh, we're going to try and give, I think, a lot of our uh, political stuff a rest today for the most part. So we're only going to mention in passing that today is day 744 in the still unsuccessful search by the Bush administration for the missing Osama bin Laden. However, balancing that off, we would like to point out that Tommy Chong, who starred in numerous marijuana-laced comedies with Cheech Martin, was arrested and sentenced to nine months in prison and also fined $20,000 for selling marijuana bongs and pipes over the Internet. So I guess the Bush administration, if you think about it, is one for two in the pursuit of ruthless criminals. And uh, Britney Spears apparently has joined the ranks of celebrities who are now speaking out on the war in Iraq, saying, quote, Honestly, I think we should just trust our president in every decision that he makes. We should just support that, you know, and be faithful to what happens. Miss Spears herself has apparently become something of a scholar of late. She's begun studying the ancient Jewish Kabbalah. She was evidently introduced to the modern version of this ancient Jewish practice through her friendship with... Madonna. A critic of the Kabbalah said, Madonna seems to be the high priestess. No doubt she's pitched it to anyone with a brain in their head, and that might include Miss Spears. Now, I don't think we should rush off to any conclusions on that. Now, apparently pop icon Sting has decided to clarify some remarks he made some time back. He now has admitted that he sexed up his claim that yoga, I guess it was tantric yoga, had taught him how to make love to his wife for eight consecutive hours. Sting now says that what I didn't say was that this does include four hours of begging and then dinner in a movie. All right, we should also note out of The Week magazine, which is where we fished a few of these, that Representative Barney Frank of Massachusetts is evidently no fan of the hit TV show Queer Eye for a Straight Guy. The openly gay congressman notes that the notion that gay men have a superior fashion sense is not true and it's damaging. Barney Frank, of course, is noted for his often rumpled appearance. It's perfectly possible to enjoy the show and say, look at those clever homosexuals and what they do with their hair and not support gays at all. Well, I suppose that's true. I'm coming to love this magazine, The Week. They have such great little blurbs in it. Here's one from the current issue, titled, Good Week for Law and Order. A soccer match between anarchists and communists in Berkeley, California, was halted because the teams had failed to obtain a permit for the field. 
Wasn't that just like anarchists? Apparently, Atlanta Falcon officials, with their team leading 17 to nothing, approved publication of a newspaper ad congratulating coach Dan Reeves on his 200th career victory. The problem? The Falcons then lost the game 33 to 31. And in what is being called good news for Ben Affleck, in Los Angeles, they passed a law requiring strippers to stay at least six feet away from customers at all times. Now, we're trying to stay away from politics for the most part today. We, we talked a bit about the $86 billion that Congress has generally donated of your money to the war in Iraq, like it or not. But apparently there is one way they're trying to recoup some of those funds. Soldiers wounded in Iraq are apparently being billed $8.10 a day for meals being served in the hospital. Marine Staff Sergeant Bill Merwin, who lost part of his left foot in Iraq, recently received a bill for $243 for his hospital meals and a warning that his account could soon be turned over to a collection agency. This doesn't sound like it could possibly be a real article, but it apparently comes out of the St. Petersburg, Florida Times. Merwin said, holy smokes, I'm in the hospital and they're going to charge me for my food? We're going to try and run that one down. That seems too preposterous even for us. But um, a study done by the Center for Media and Public Affairs showed that CBS News and not Fox had the most positive coverage on the war in Iraq. On Dan Rather's CBS Evening News, 74% of the reporters' interviews and comments about the war were deemed positive, while Fox's Evening News show was rated at 60% positive. For the record, NBC came in at 53% positive, with ABC having only 34% ranked as positive. Now, uh, Chris sent us an email a couple weeks back about what uh, what you could buy for 86, or in, I guess we're up to $160 billion now for funding our war in Iraq. And he did find a website we'll send you to. It's not exactly on, on topic, but it does show what, um, you know, what these kinds of sums might be able to buy. It gives you some examples. The website is costofwar.com. Check it out. Now, I know some of you are waiting for me to tell the story of my little jaunt down to South America. Uh, you know what? Uh, we'll just put it off one more week. You guys aren't going to mind, right? Uh, while walking around the Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica this week, your correspondent was fortuitously interviewed by Uruguayan Television about what he thought about the, uh, the election recall, etc., we got talking after my little man-in-the-street interview, and perhaps we'll be able to get the reporter from Montevideo TV to come and talk a little bit about the country of Uruguay, which I think most people know very little about. So next week, we'll talk a bit about Argentina, a bit about Uruguay, and perhaps a bit about Brazil. We'll also bring you up to date about this most recent trip down to L.A., which was very productive for this program. And eventually for you, the listener, as well. We made some great contacts down there, and we're going to bring you some very interesting guests. All right, let's close the first segment today with a bit of uh, commentary on uh, Federal Trade Commission's Do Not Call list. This was set to go into effect next week nationwide, but a federal judge has ruled that the FTC overstepped its authority in creating the list. I guess... These very conservative judges feel that the free speech rights of large telemarketing firms to call you during dinner time 
is paramount. Now, this requires some legal analysis, I think. Uh, we're going to try and get two of the regular contributors to this program, Stuart Gardner and Steve Alexander, to have a word on that uh, probably next week after we've had a chance to absorb where this is all headed. And we'd like to get Jeffrey Kravitz, who has the Tuesday, who has the Tuesday public affairs program, Panic Attack, on our program to talk a little bit about the law of the land. But um, let's close this segment with a commentary we did some time ago which aired actually not on this program, but over on Capital Public Radio, where uh, we are um, fortunate enough to make occasional appearances during the Morning Edition broadcast. This one was aired uh, last year, a commentary we did on this very subject of telemarketers. And I think this would be a very appropriate time to re-air this for you, the KDVS audience. Telemarketers are like hungry mosquitoes. But while blood-sucking gnats can be fought with vile repellents and screen windows, your phone is harder to guard. But the best defense is a good offense. These clowns make money with a stick and move. If you hang up, boom, they're on to the next poor soul trying to unwind after work. Since time is money, what they fear is bogged down conversation. So, lie. Like when I said, yes, I'd love to discuss double-pane windows, but if we're disconnected, call right back. I then hung up, but he called back, and we repeated the process three times till he got mad and hung up on me. Once, I hogtied the satellite dish guy who interrupted my Super Bowl party. I told him I'm interested, then laid the phone down. When his tinny, hello, hello, came through the receiver, I'd add, just a sec, stringing him along for five minutes to a room full of stifled giggles. Try this. Hello? This is he. Why, I am concerned about estate planning needs. My wife and I were just discussing it. Hold on. Honey? An estate planner's on the phone. I'm glad you called. What? What do you mean, on fire? Could you hold a second, please? I'll be right back. Put the phone down, and he'll blow minutes, hoping you return. But you never do. Telemarketers present a fine opportunity to air out personal problems, or tell long, meaningless anecdotes. The idea is to waste their time, which, after all, costs them money. Don't get mad. Declare open season on these weasels. Turn loose that actor within you and indulge in some wicked fun. I got to tell you, we're especially fond of that commentary and we're very grateful to Jeffrey Callison, my news director when these do appear over at Cap Radio. Uh, Mr. Callison submitted this for consideration at the Public Radio News Director's uh, Annual Awards Ceremony, which this year took place in Montreal, and we're proud to report that we did take first place for that particular bit of commentary. Let's take a break. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax, and you are listening to KDVS 90.3 FM. (laughs) 